0: New Testament uses devices like allusions to point back to the Old Testament and purposefully echo themes and intentionally reference it without direct quotes. Join us for this podcast as we learn how these allusions affect our understanding of the New Testament. Know the Word is a McGregor podcast that offers a relevant and refreshing focus on understanding and applying God's Word to your life. We'll discuss life-changing truths of biblical faith that comes from hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. I'm your host, Nathan Bottomley, and joining me today is Jonathan Bowman. Join us as we open the Bible so we can know the Word. Well, Jonathan, you have just... Started and hosted a conference called Know the Word. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the major takeaways from the conference? Well,
1: um, you know, we hope that people took away uh, what are, how to find the major themes of a book, how to uh, find, uh, or do be better equipped to word study. Actually, kind of stay away from word studies and do syntactical studies instead, uh, studies of phrases, things like that, and then. Um, you know, hopefully they saw those applied to a couple of difficult passages. So, uh, you know, just a little bit of training, a little bit of application.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you this then. What was the aim and drive behind your desire to start this workshop?
1: Well, you know, I just always want to uh, push myself to be a better student of the Word of God. And I think that, um, you know, we, as a church, that's our calling, you know, to equip people to know the Word, how to rightly handle the Word. And, um so I just decided to get some uh, of the staff together and ac- try to accomplish that.
0: For sure. Now, in all the talking we have done about this workshop, I have never asked you uh, why Colossians. Why start this workshop in Colossians?
1: Um, I don't know. I was reading it at the time. <laughs> I was just, I was reading it at the time, uh, sort of devotionally and studying it on my own. So I just figured, let's go ahead and uh, use that. Um letter so we did gotcha yep
0: well that's awesome uh one of the things mentioned in the workshop uh was by you actually you were talking about better tools and techniques to understanding uh the scriptures and rob talked about this as well it's illusions what is an illusion uh, and why is it important to
1: know what they are when we approach god's word yeah so An illusion, I guess, is not illusion, right, not magician stuff, but an illusion is, uh, you know, something that may be subtly hinting at or pointing to uh, earlier referent in the Bible. So normally we think in terms of uh, Old Testament uh, versus New Testament um, or not verses, but and New Testament. So um, a New Testament allusion would be a passage that, it's not a direct quotation of an Old Testament scripture is involved in that passage, but if you know the Old Testament uh, really well, some of the phrases, uh, the themes, the motif, the context, um, some of the words definitely point back or most likely point back to an Old Testament uh, verse or theme. So um, yeah, that's kind of how, how you can tell. Just com- word co- combinations, clusters of words, um, context, and and uh, just make sure that it kind of all fits together, and it's an allusion to the Old Testament. So a good way I like to think about it is if you read uh, some of the old, old church fathers, and if you read some of the um, early uh, reform reformers, they just spoke in a biblical language, right? Right. So sometimes they would, be, they would write and they would just use phrases or words that are straight from the Bible. They don't take the time to quote them or put a reference, and they're not quoting the whole verse, but it's just part of, um, the Bible's just part of how they speak. So Paul's kind of the same way. I mean, the Bible's just sort of how he spoke, and um, you, you see him hinting at things in the Old Testament that his Jewish audience would have picked up on for sure that again, it's not a direct quotation, but he's pointing them back to this is uh, how the gospel fulfills some sort of Old Testament expectation or how Christ, you know, fulfills some sort of Old Testament expectation.
0: Gotcha. So when Rob uh, was teaching, he spent some time mentioning that there were five illusions uh, or motifs that appear throughout Colossians. And he mentioned uh, the motif of the temple, the image, the mystery, the law, and new creation. So one of the first allusions that was brought up was the allusion of the temple. And according to Rob, and even what I have read since, uh, there are about four allusions to some Old Testament texts talking about the temple. So tell me this, in Colossians, uh, where do we start to see these allusions of the
1: temple uh, in the New Testament, more specifically Colossians? Yeah, so I think that um, first off, uh, the study of illusions has really taken off in the past 20 to 30 years where, we, where we've sort of seen how uh, our Bible scholars have sort of seen how um, how really interwoven Paul's letters are with the Old Testament. Of course, Paul's Old Testament would have been most likely Greek. Um, uh, 90% of the time when he cites something from the Old Testament, it's from the Greek Septuagint. You know, that's older. A lot of times it's older than some of the Masoretic texts that we have, but we don't have to get on all that right now. But he you know, he quotes extensively from the Greek Septuagint, and um, it seems as though maybe 15, 20 years ago, most views on Colossians were that he's writing to dispel some sort of combination of Judaism and uh, Greek... Uh, religion that's kind of being put, put together, like that's, that's the problem at Colossians. But when you really start looking at allusions, um, how he's writing Colossians and many of the themes that he uses, it's, it's fairly clear that he's writing against his just old enemy, the Judaizers. You know, they want to have Jesus plus some other things. So the temple theme is sort of found most, most in its uh, discussion of just the fullness of Christ. Uh, who Christ is, that he's fully God, uh, that he's fully done, um, fully accomplished what God, the, the God of Israel intended to accomplish for Israel. So we see that in a lot of places, um, uh, Colossians 1, 19 uh, through 10, uh, Colossians 2, uh, 9, and Colossians two ten. 10. So um, there's just different places where he speaks about fullness and what God has intended to accomplish, and that's, that's been fully accomplished through Christ. Sure. So
0: where in the Old Testament then, uh, like in what text do we start to see Colossians base this allusion to the temple? Where in the Old Testament is Paul alluding to as he writes this letter to the
1: Colossians? Well, I, I just want to back up a little bit. Just I think the theme of the temple is, and God's presence within the temple is just all throughout the Old Testament, right? Okay. Um, without getting into uh, uh, age-averse stuff. But, you know, um, scholars have pointed out recently that part of the reason that God does this seven-day creation, um, he creates the heavens, he creates the earth, everything within them, of course. and uh, But what he does then is he puts an image inside um, that creation. And this is similar to a temple inauguration week. We see this with Solomon's temple, that there would be a sort of a weekly, fe- um, a week festival. And then inside of that, um, if you're a pagan, you'd put an idol or something like that, you know, the image of the God in there. Um, and when we look at Solomon's temple, God's divine presence comes upon uh, the temple. And so um, really, the one of the main themes of the Old Testament is that uh, all of creation is God's temple, and we are to image Him uh, within that temple. And of course, we we break that through sin. So it's so it's something that's throughout the entire Old Testament. You know, Leviticus, uh, God wants to have them follow these laws. That uh, I will be your, your God, and you will be my people, and I will dwell in your midst. And so, a lot of it is that language of dwelling or fulfilling or filling. Um, just with God's presence that's in Colossians. And uh, one of the first places we see that is uh, Colossians uh, chapter one, verse nine through 10. Um, And he says this, it says, uh, from that day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing the knowledge of God. And then if you look at the background, this language of, of filling again is, uh, used whenever they're building the tabernacle. Um, the artists are filled with skill. Uh, the same thing is said of those who are filled with the skill to make the temple. And then the spirit of knowledge, um, that phrase is temple language as well. In Isaiah chapter 11, uh, verses two through three, uh, he just says that, um, he, uh, that uh at his holy mountain or you know the temple people will be filled with the knowledge of the lord you know when they come to his holy mountain or holy temple and that's of course a prophecy um, relating to uh, the coming of christ that we will all be filled with with this uh, personal knowledge of the lord so um you know so if you look at colossians chapter 1 verses 9 to 10 that's sort of where we see one of our first main illusions um that we may be filled with the knowledge of his will um and again, uh, there's this language of fullness that we're fully uh, pleasing to Him. So, if you look at that in in Old Testament language, it's pretty clear that Paul's at least beginning to say that um, that that's part of my desire for you is that you realize how God has um, has uh, worked through Christ to fill you with the knowledge of the gospel. So, that's one of the texts. <laughs> so, there's, so, there's more. There is more. <laughs> But wait, there's more. Yeah, good, <laughs> well, what else good do we discussion got? guide. What else do we got? So we got um, uh, ver- verse one nineteen. Um, that in Christ, this is of course a famous text on Christ. That in Him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and that's speaking, of course, about the uh, incarnate nature of Christ. That He wasn't uh, just God uh, inside of a man, but that uh, you know all the fullness of God. Was pleased to dwell, you know. So he has this divine nature, not just some sort of, you know, almost like a demon possession, I guess. Like God, he's not a man that's godly possessed, you know. Right. But that he has this full, this full nature, um, and again, this language of fullness, um, uh, you know, that we see um, it's echoed in Psalm sixty-seven in, in temple language. Um, Psalm sixty-seven. Um, it says this uh, language, Why do you look with hatred, O many-peaked mountain at the mountain of that God desired for his abode, yet where the Lord will dwell forever? So we have these two words in uh, verse 119, that this fullness of God that's pleased to dwell, and that's only found in the Old Testament in, in Psalm uh, 68, uh, 16, where it's talking about. Um, that God was pleased to have this abode. And, you know, he's speaking about the pagan gods, like, why are you looking at me in jealousy? Like, I, I chose to do it this way, or I chose to dwell here and not there. Um, so, again, that's that's temple language. And then, again, uh, uh, you know, well, I guess that's sort of the, the main ones. But he, he does. He uses this these verses to just say, look, like, look, the fullness of God, uh, what God uh, God's presence, which was in the temple, is now fully expressed through the person of Jesus Christ. And then if you're in Christ, you have access to that uh, fulfilled uh, knowledge of who Christ is um, and, and the fullness of God that is expressed through Christ. You have access to God through Christ. And because of that, you have everything you need to live the Christian life, right? And so, um, God's full temple presence is in Christ. So that goes against these Judaizers, which is like, which some of their view is like, well, you know, you need some philosophy on the side, and Jesus, uh, you need Jesus, and uh, to keep these holidays and feasts and new moons and Sabbaths on the side. And Paul saying, no, like God has fully been present in Christ. Uh, Christ is the head of Uh, sort of the, well, he is the new, uh, not the new dwelling place of God, but he is where God is most fully expressed, and those who come and participate are in Christ, and, um, you know, we have all we need to fully uh, come to know God and to worship God and to make him known, so. Sure, so let me ask you this. As we study through
0: Colossians and we begin to piece these things together, uh, with the Old Testament to help us better understand Colossians, what what doctrinal points does this begin to help us understand? Or let me ask you this, what theological points does this help us to get right? And I mean, namely, I'm thinking of two. There's our uh, Christology and Ecclesiology. So how does right. looking at Colossians in light of these motifs from the Old Testament affect our Christology or and Ecclesiology?
1: Right. So... This backs up again to the Old Testament where God is fully present in the temple. Um, and so people would go to the temple to worship God, right? Or they sought to, at some point in their lives, travel to the temple to worship God. And when we see that God has fully expressed everything through Christ, then we see that we just need to go to Christ to know God and to worship God. And so uh, Christ- Christologically, it's just that God has er- that God has in Christ Christ um, and that's difficult to say, I guess, because of Trinitarian language, but hopefully listeners will get what I'm, what I'm getting at. Trinity's a whole nother probably podcast, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that God has through God, the father has through Christ, um, um, it's ex- fully accomplished and expressed everything that needs to be accomplished and expressed for us then to come and, and worship God. If we, uh, have, um, uh, participated with that fullness in Christ. Of course, repented, uh, heard the gospel, repented, and uh, participated in the in the uh, death, burial, resurrection of Christ. So, there's you know a couple of point points of doctrine. I mean, it is neat to see how our Christology should influence our Christo- our ecclesiology. Excuse me, that what we think of Jesus should influence how we think of the church and how we. Uh, I guess, lack of a better phrase, how we do church, <laughs> how things are supposed to happen in the context of a church, uh, wh- you know, what the church is to be, where the full, we're the body of Christ, uh, fully equipped, um, and then you know, uh, I, you know, and then I guess uh, I've already hit on it, but you know, just ecclesiologically, ecclesiologically, ecclesi- yay! I'm doing so good. <laughs> But just ecclesi- in our ecclesiology, how does that play out in practical ways? You know, in our our life group time, our Bible study time, just whenever the church gathers together, do you know? Are we really? Do we really express that we believe that everything that we need is uh, fulfilled in Christ? So. Gotcha.
0: So. Let me let's let's take this from thinking about it to what what do we end up doing with this? Like when we learn about the temple in Colossians, these allusions to the Old Testament, what what am I supposed to take away from this and think? Well,
1: what Paul's trying to get across to them is that uh, everything's been fully expressed through Christ. So so part of that is like there's no new uh, mystery, there's no mysterious or hidden knowledge that you need to find, and I think that. Uh, that can be good for our Christian walk. I think that um, if you're not careful, you could become a part of a church or be in in yourself uh, just um, always looking for this hidden spiritual thing, this hidden revelation that maybe sets you apart from other believers or makes you more spiritual than other believers. And Paul's saying, because no, 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 that fullness of who Christ is is, is completely expressed, it's finally expressed, you know, that you need to, uh, uh, that if you're a believer, there is nothing mysterious left. I mean, there's things that we don't understand, there's sure. things that we don't fully comprehend, Absolutely. but there's not some extra knowledge out there, like some, you know, God's not gonna divinely reveal in your brain like a special self-help book that you have, you have these three steps to successful Christian living that nobody else has, Right. you know? Um, yeah, so that would be part of it. And, and another part of it, again, is just um, how, how we do church. I mean, that we are dependent upon Christ and his spirit and what he's done, and, and we don't need anything extra. Um, here he talks about new moons and holidays and Sabbaths and all these things um, because, again, it's sort of like a circumcision in, in the New Testament that people are going around saying, yeah, we've got Jesus, but we also need to do this. Right, And uh, we've got Jesus, but we also need to, you know, keep these feast days, keep these holidays. Um, and I think those things can be, you know, if we look at a liturgical calendar, for example, those things can be maybe helpful in our devotion. But if we're not careful, we can say, no, these extra things add to our salvation. They add to Christ's work somehow. Right, um, And, of course, that's not, that's not right.
0: Right. So if I boil that down to something... Uh, personal that I can take away, myself or a listener included, you would agree then to say that believers are to live spirit-filled lives uh, in such a way as to build up the new temple
1: of God, which is uh, the body of Christ. Right. So we are, uh, we have everything we need because of Christ to, and what he's done, the new temple is in Christ, so we have everything we need to um, continually build. add to and increase and build up uh, the new people of God that are found in Christ. So w- what are perhaps
0: then some practical ways in which listeners could be challenged to build up this new temple? What, what does it look like in my day-to-day life? What does it involve doing to build up this new temple?
1: Well, when, when Paul says you know, at the very beginning that he prays that they be uh, filled with the knowledge of God uh that's part of it is that they that we come to the lord we come to his word uh through prayer through uh i do believe you know through listening through to the holy spirit which of course the spirit's not going to contradict his word but maybe uh convict or remind us as believers of what we need to be doing um i think what it does for me is it just simplifies things like there's no the secret is there is no secret you know (laughs) like that you just it's all there it is it really is all there we just need to do what the bible says we're supposed to do uh, which is you know use your gifts use your talents um and use those things for the lord Um, and not not just have this individual like well i'm going to grow my spiritual walk but what you see in Paul when he's talking about the fullness of Christ is how can is that I'm praying for everybody's spiritual walk. I hope to increase all of your spiritual walk um together, because uh together we're the body of Christ, not one person by itself isn't, right? So together right. we're the body of Christ.
0: It's almost like we could boil this down to say the application is just obedience
1: to what yeah, the Bible says. Yeah, just obedience to what the Bible says. <laughs> Which is always what Paul's having problems with. I mean, right. most of his letters are like, would you just do what I told you to do, please? And would you not add anything to it or take away or from take it? Or take away. It's yeah. all there. Would you just live the gospel life? And uh, so in some ways it's simple, but we all know that that, that can get, uh, because of our sin nature, that can get more and more complex.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Well, there you have it. There's how we find the illusions of the temple uh, in Colossians uh, pulling from the Old Testament. Well, thank you, Bowman. You're you're most welcome. All right. To our friends that are listening, uh, we trust you will let the word of Christ dwell in you richly this week. No matter how you are getting this episode, be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a comment or review. It really helps us out. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and be sure to check out our other McGregor podcast channels. Just head over to knowthewordpodcast.com for all of the details. Thanks for listening.